0: Strategic planning, like a boss, and a futurist. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Amy Webb, Professor of Strategic Foresight at NYU Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist, and founder of the Future Today Institute. Welcome, Amy.
1: Hey, Tanya. It's so great to be back with you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. It's always an honor to have you here. What is your mission at the Future Today Institute? What kind of work do you guys do? And who, who are your customers? Who, who do you serve?
1: The Future Today Institute is an independent research and management consulting firm. Uh, We work on data driven models for our clients all around the world, uh, most of whom are Fortune 500 companies, um, very, very large companies, uh, and also federal agencies. Um, And our goal is to develop long term strategic plans. for all of the organizations that we work with and to help them identify risk and opportunity well in advance.
0: You wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review titled, How to do strategic planning like a futurist. What's the difference between how strategic planning is often done and how you as a futurist do it?
1: Sure. So I noticed sort of a strange organizational tick Uh, over the past several years, and that is that when organizations want to work with us on their longer-term plans, they tend to pick a year that ends in a zero or a five. So they they have the title written in advance. So, you know, technology, trends, and strategy, 2025, or, you know, fill-in-the-blank company name, strategic plan, 2030. Um, And I was curious to know, why are they doing that? And then secondarily, is there, a, is there a cost at sort of predetermining some date set in the future? And so in doing my research, I, I realized that, and I, I learned, um, that, you know, we like to take cognitive shortcuts in order to save energy. It's part of our human evolution, and that all makes sense. The challenge is that in picking a year that ends in a zero or a five, and my Hunch is that if anybody who's listening to this has ever worked in corporate America, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, What that winds up doing is giving us a false sense of control over the future. Um, Because really, time is a construct, and we need to mark, you know, quarters on a calendar for our investors and our, you know, SEC filings and all the other stuff that's required of a business. Um, However, it's not like RD breakthroughs get scheduled you know, to meet your quarterly, <laughs> like a quarterly meeting or target. Um, and so what winds up happening at a, a lot of companies is that their long-range plans are not about ideas or about risk or strategy. They're financial in scope. And they're not actually long-range at all. They tend to be in the two to three-year range. And The reason that a lot of industries and a lot of companies keep getting disrupted is because what they're doing is thinking very short term, thinking that that's long range planning. And rather than focusing on all kinds of diverse risk and opportunity that may come from areas adjacent to their industry, they're instead only measuring the stuff that they know and the the data that they can easily collect and that they can control. Uh, and they're building their models using just that data. And on top of everything else, to wrap it up in a nice, neat little bow, they're doing this in years that end in zeros and fives. And so uh, once I sort of figured all of that out, I thought, you know, I probably should tell people that this is a terrible, terrible thing to be doing. Um, And as well, you know, as long as I'm doing that, I may as well explain that as a futurist, we don't use timelines because a timeline you know thinking in 3 year increments or 5 year increments would assume that we've already that we already know what the future is going to be and that we're just marking the stages to get there but when we're thinking about the future of the future intersections of a business or a company or an industry and all of the areas of influence what we're really talking about is a lot of uncertainty so while we can account for the data that we have access to today there's way too many vari- variables that that the like the permutations, the, the math doesn't work. So it's way too many variables as you go farther into the future. So instead of using a timeline, um, I've always used a time cone. And so in the present day, we've got the most data we're ever gonna have access to. The further out into the future that you go, the cone that's qu- kind of like at a point I'm trying to make a visual here and, and it's not working. Uh, <laughs> picture a V on its edge. Uh, the further out in time you go, the bigger that that angle becomes and that represents uncertainty. And so what that tells us is, in the present, you know, we can make tactical decisions, but those tactical decisions have to be made in service of whatever the strategy is for the organization. That's what most organizations are used to doing. Tactics and strategy, rinse and repeat every three years if they do that and they don't have some bigger picture of of what the vision for the organization is going to be or how the entire industry or the whole system is going to evolve, then what winds up happening as they're cycling between tactics and strategy is that some other company comes out of left field and drags them into the future. And, you know, for most companies, for many companies right now, the the organization that's really good at working the front and the back end of the cone simultaneously is Amazon.
0: Truth. Business managers aren't always accomplished futurists, okay? So what kind of brainstorming and environment analysis is needed to identify weak signals that could converge into trends and disruptions?
1: Well, I think the, the first and probably most important thing to do is to take a look at that time cone and adopt it. Uh, Most of the organizations that we work with, actually all of the organizations that that I can think of that we've worked with, um, are now using that system instead, and it has revolutionized how they do their planning. So that's the first piece of it. But what's nice about the cone versus the line is that because it represents uncertainty on the horizon, it's a good reminder that you have to look outside of your industry for signals and for trends and for um, areas of future inflection that might impact what happens to your organization. So I mentioned Amazon a few seconds ago. I think a lot of people think of Amazon as amazon.com, the place where you can buy socks, toilet paper, and apparently now houses. But Amazon is much bigger than that. Amazon Web Services, uh, you know, controls a lot of the flow of, and storage of data. Um, Amazon's making peripherals, including glasses and smart speakers and earbuds and rings. I mean, they're doing all kinds of things. And if you start stitching together all of the different signals just emanating from that one company, you start to learn a lot about how... You know a, a company like Amazon could disrupt smart farming in the future, for example um, so you know, or how uh, really interesting um, developments in computer vision uh, could totally disrupt the entire you know business operations of a law firm i mean so so and and in adopting this sort of broader stance, this broader way of looking for signals and mapping them against the time cone, the other thing that that does, in addition to mitigating risk, is it puts you in a position to turn risk into opportunity. I mean, if you're the, if you're the organization that sees early enough where there's future inflection or where there's a future problem on the horizon for you, that, then you've got time. You've got time to turn that thing into an advantage. And you become the one who's building the products or the services or you're making the investments or you're doing whatever it is um, that gives you the strategic advantage over everybody else.
0: Cone planning is a great idea. So how do you convince C-level executives and board members that time cones should supplant timelines?
1: Yeah, so I think the biggest challenge is convincing senior executives that it is okay uh, to lean into uncertainty. you know. I always like to say that deep uncertainty warrants deep questions. And when we're talking about a future full of you know, difficult, interesting, challenging technologies, we're in an unstable political environment. We have a lot of question marks around our economy in the United States, and certainly the geo-economy. There's a lot. There's a lot that no one CEO is ever going to be able to control for. So, the logical part of us would dictate that if there's this much uncertainty, and we still have a company to run and we have to make decisions, we got to have a different way forward. And so the different way forward is to start thinking about implications longer term. What's the downstream implications of making decisions of a company doing this? I was for, I was I was at the end of every year I make a giant list of all the M and A activity that I can find, and then I look for for tr- patterns and trends, you know. What does all of this crazy, weird M&A activity uh, start to signal about consolidation or changes in ecosystems? Like, what does that tell us? So um, the good news is that it's possible to lean into uncertainty and to be more flexible in thinking about the future while having a decisive set of, like, exacting ideas and plans in the very near term. So you you can do all the planning you want, all the short-term tactics and strategy that you want that you're used to doing, as long as whatever that is has an eye toward all of the future uncertainty that you're going to have to be tracking going forward.
0: Amy Webb, professor of strategic foresight at NYU Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist and founder of the Future Today Institute. Amy, it's always an honor having you as a guest. If somebody maybe wants to get a copy of your book or maybe they wanna find out more of the work that you do at uh, the Future Today Institute, how can they do that?
1: Sure, so all of our research is open source and free, and it is available at futuretodayinstitute.com. We can learn more about who we are and what we do. Um, The article that we've been referencing is available on the Harvard Business Review website. So if you go to HBR and look up how to do strategic planning like a futurist, uh, you can download that and use it. Um, I'm uh, at Amy Webb on Twitter and just about every other social media. And uh, yeah, let's look forward to a good year.
0: All right. Thanks again, Amy. We we will certainly do that and we love hearing from you. And if you guys want to find out more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.